we're back in Jeremiah today. Um, and thinking about Father's Day, it was kind of difficult to say, okay, how can I think about a message for fathers in the middle of uh, Jeremiah? Because uh, here's what churches do, and I, I've mentioned this before, but every Mother's Day, it's like, mothers, you are the greatest. We could not live life without you. You're just awesome. And then we come for Father's Day, and it's like, you need to do better. That's like the typical church message on Father's Day, like, pick it up. You got to do better. Uh, what are you doing? Lead your family, you know. Do, and, and so a little bit of Jeremiah is this tough love. And so um, you're going to get a little bit of that today. So uh, just to kind of give you in advance, we love you fathers, but um, you got to pick it up. Okay. <laughs> so with that being said, you know, when you look at Jeremiah, the book, it's, it's tough to read. It really is. Because when you start reading it, it, you know, you, you're reading some agonizing things here that God the Father's, you know, telling his people, I've loved you and, and, and been there for you time after time, and you keep turning your back against me. Um, in fact, in, in Jeremiah chapter 3, we'll, we'll rewind a little bit. In verse 19, it, it, this is what Jeremiah says. He, he's, he's speaking on behalf of God. He said, I thought to myself, I would love to treat you as my own children. I wanted nothing more than to give you this beautiful land, the finest possession in the world. I look forward to you. You're calling me Father. And I wanted you to never turn from me. This is the heart of the, of the Father God speaking out to His people. It's like, this is what I desired more than anything, that you would uh, call me Father. And... Uh, we know that the people just didn't listen. Uh, uh, he, he has warned them that Babylon was coming to besiege them and to uh, just to, to take captive the, the, the people and, and all of this, right? We still see God saying, but you can still turn back to me. It's not too late. In Jeremiah 6 uh, and verse 16, we have a, a verse here that I think is... Uh, it is very important, um, and we hadn't talked about this verse, but I want to go back to it. It says, Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But how did the people respond? They said, we will not walk in it. So here's what God is calling them to do, right? He knew they had lost their way. They had got off the path that God had planned for them. And fathers, if I could give you one piece of advice this morning, it would be to listen to this verse, to stop, to look around, to seek out those ancient paths that God has created for you, the paths that will lead you and your families to find rest, to honor God, to find the purpose in life that God has planned for you. My first point this morning is simply this. We all need to slow down and seek God's path. We've, all, we've just got to slow down and really think about what is that path that God has laid out in front of me? What is that path that He has planned? Uh, we shared a few weeks ago about Jeremiah 29, uh, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, right, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope that... That verse, and we talked about the context of that, but that God has a plan for us. And, and so, have you ever noticed, though, that when you are busy doing the wrong thing, that Satan will just keep you busy? <laughs> so you don't have time to think about doing what's right? 
You don't have time to get back on the right path. It's just like one thing after another just keeps coming your way. That's how Satan works. He likes to keep us busy. And so it's so easy. I mean, we've seen that over this last year and a half. It's so easy that once you've gotten out of the habit of actually attending church to get back into that habit is tough. Right. Because we're busy. We've got all this stuff to do. And we know. And, and so it, we've created new habits and new patterns of life. And and so what does this verse in Jeremiah six says to, to stand by the roads and look and seek out those ancient paths, seek out those paths that 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 God has created if you want to know where you are today, you've got to realize, right, that you took a road to get to where you are. And, and, and if you're not where you need to be, you've got to get off that road and get back to where God has planned. I, I know sometimes we don't like change, but change can be good when we're not where we need to be. Uh, C.S. Lewis uh, said this. He said, we all want progress. But if you're on the wrong road, Progress means doing an about turn and walking back to the right road. In that case, the man who turns back the soonest is the most progressive. The man who turns back soonest is the most progressive. Our culture wants to be progressive, but we're progressing in the wrong direction. What is that? Is that really progress or is that regress? Right? Uh, progress means you get off at the road, you get off the wrong road, and you get back on the right road. And I think it's a it's a sign of Christian maturity when we realize we're not on the path that we need to be on. Uh, I love that it says you, this is where you find rest. The ancient path is where you find rest. And, and and if I just were to ask you this morning, how many of you feel rested and restful and and non anxious and non worried and non stressed and I have a feeling that a lot of you would say that's not how I'm the exact opposite of that. I'm not really feeling a lot of rest right now. The path that God has planned for you is a path that gives you rest and peace. And so sometimes we need to do an about face. We need to get back on the right road. And so what is that ancient road? It's a, the road that leads us to loving and honoring and serving and obeying God. It, it's the road that helps us realize that we don't have to be like the sinful culture all around us, but instead we can live a life that honors God and, and, and serves others. The, the culture of the world tells us, hey, we can do whatever we want whenever we want. And whether that's sexually, uh, any other way, it's just like you just do whatever feels good. But God tells us his plan, right, is to flee immorality, to treat our bodies as the temple of the Holy Spirit. The, the world tells us that, hey, we can get ahead at any cost. It's all about power and prestige and influence and money and, and accumulating as much stuff as you can. But God says you get your joy and your satisfaction by trusting and loving him. Uh, you know, uh, our true nourishment, our fulfillment comes from our relationship with God. And so th th this, you know, these old paths are where we find rest. Just like uh, we read uh, in Matthew 11 that come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's that's what Jesus is leading us to. But here's the problem on getting back on that right path. And my second point is simply this, is that our heart will not always lead us to the right path. 
uh, our heart will not lead us. And there's another verse in Jeremiah. It's probably the most quoted or one of the most quoted, probably outside of Jeremiah 29, 11. This is probably the second most quoted verse. And it's simply this. It's in 17, verse 9. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things, and it is desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? So let me just ask you, do you really trust your heart? Because the the world tells us, hey, just follow your heart, right? Here's what I want you to know is maturity is not just going by your intuition. It's not just, okay, this feels right, so I'm going to do it. Maturity is knowing where to where to go to find truth. That's kind of what we talked about last week. I I looked up um, uh, some quotes this week about your heart, and and these are kind of all quotes that you'll see people post on Instagram and on their Facebook page. And uh, these are the the kind of the sayings that that you, you see out there. Follow your heart; it knows the way. Have the courage to follow your heart and your intuition. The cost of not following your heart is spending the rest of your life wishing you had. Follow your heart. Do what you love. If it's in your heart, go for it. Don't listen to other people. Follow your heart and don't be subservient to anyone. Shut out the world and only listen to your heart to fulfill your dreams. Now, those all kind of sound good on paper. But do you see issues with that? Do you see problems with that? Right? In light of what we just read in Jeremiah 17, can we trust our hearts? If we base our decisions, if we base the path that we want to go on based on how we're feeling at the moment, I'm telling you, our hearts are selfish. We're going to choose the path. We're going to choose whatever helps us. Not what honors God. Not what serves others. It's going to be about us. Because that's the flesh inside of us. That's the flesh versus the spirit, that battle that we're all facing. The devil wants us to believe, oh, did God really say that? No, just go ahead, do whatever you want. I mean, we know that started all the way back in Genesis 3. And the truth is, we've got to be self-aware enough to realize that our heart will lie to us sometimes. Our heart will lie because it's, our heart will lead us to do things that benefit us and harm others. And so we can't trust our heart to get us on the, the right path. God gives us His Spirit. He gives us His Word. He gives us His people as a way to guide us and help us find the right path. And so it's not about our heart. It's not about our feelings. But as we abide with Christ... Here's what we find. Our thoughts, our emotions, our desires are all transformed. And it's only by abiding with Christ and living in community, right, that we discover that we're able to understand ourselves. And, and so I would just challenge you a little bit. Instead of saying, hey, this is what my heart is leading me to do, to say this is what God's word is leading me to do. It's kind of turning it around and understanding, right, where do we find that truth? Is it in our feelings? Is it in the culture all around us? Is, or is it truly in His Word? And so if you look at the Israelites, I'm going back to the story of Jeremiah and picking up where we left off last week. Um, man, we come to kind of Jeremiah chapter 40, 40 through about 45 here, and this is where things really turn bad. 
He's been warning them. He's been preparing them. This is what's going to happen if you don't turn away uh, from your sin. And now what we see is Jerusalem is overthrown. The, the city walls are leveled. The great temple of Solomon is burned. Uh, the, t- the treasures are all ransacked and taken back to Babylon. Uh, everything is just dust. Everything is just rubble. There's corpses everywhere. De- I mean, it, it is just slaughter. I mean, the worst imaginable thing happened to Jerusalem. So for 40 years, Jeremiah had just preached and pleaded with everybody from the kings to the people trying to prevent this tragedy. And God had delayed that while Jeremiah was ministering, giving them time to turn around. But now judgment has happened. Uh, But what's interesting here is that, you know, at this point, you would think they said, "Okay, we we need to get back on the right path. You would think by now when they saw everything that Jeremiah prophesied come true, that they would realize, hey, we need to to turn around. But they didn't. They still kept going down the wrong path. Um, And so really, I think what this section of the book shows us is how our fallen nature deceives us. How when we don't recognize how deceitful our hearts are, that we can continue going down the wrong path way after. I mean, just it will just keep taking us so far, so much farther than we really want to go. And so I want to pick it up today in Jeremiah chapter 42. um, And kind of a little bit of backstory. uh, When Jerusalem was overthrown, uh, Jeremiah was actually allowed to stay in Jerusalem. He was allowed to stay with Gedaliah, I can't even say it, long name there, all these names. Uh, He was allowed to stay with him. Um, And so there were a few people that had escaped and were kind of doing a guerrilla warfare, kind of from the hills and uh, and still trying to attack. And so there were a few, there was a remnant of people still there. And so that's when we see in in chapter 42 here, uh, that's what's happening here. These people that were left behind, they came back to Jeremiah. And and they're still wanting to fight. And and now they're wanting to escape. They're wanting to escape and go to Egypt. Um, And so here's what, uh, I'll just pick it up here and we'll kind of cover it here. Then all the military leaders, including Johanan, son of Kariah, and Jezaniah, the son of Hoshiah, and all the people from the least to the greatest, approached Jeremiah the prophet. They said, please pray to the Lord your God for us. As you can see, we are only a tiny remnant compared to what we were before. Pray that the Lord your God will show us what to do and where to go. And so, all right, Jeremiah replied, I will pray to the Lord your God as you have asked. And I will tell you everything he says. I will hide nothing from you. Then they said to Jeremiah, May the Lord your God be a faithful witness against us if we refuse to obey whatever he tells us to do. Whether we like it or not, we will obey the Lord our God to whom we are sending you with our plea. For if we obey him, everything will turn out well for us. So this kind of brings me to an interesting question. And I'll just kind of pose it to you as well. Is the Lord your God? I don't know if you caught this in the middle of this phrase when these uh, the, the remaining Israelites that were there, they came back to Jeremiah and they said, will you pray to your God? What they were doing is saying, OK, uh, he's not really our God. He's not. I mean, we're talking about the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of the Israelites. And they're saying, uh, we've walked so far away. We don't even know God anymore, but you know him. So you, will you pray to him for us? 
And I love what Jeremiah does. He puts the responsibility back onto them. He says, yes, I will pray to the Lord, your God. That, that little the tiny fact, right? That, that tiny statement, that preposition in here is so important because it just shows us that God still cared about his people. He was still their God. And so the words of Johanan and his men, they sounded good, but their hearts were not right with God. And we'll see that as we keep going. They really didn't need a prophetic word from God uh, telling them not to go to Egypt. They had already made up their mind what they wanted to, 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 to hear, right, and what they wanted to do. They were just looking for someone to reinforce their bad decision. And, and that's what we do today. We make up our mind we want to do something. And so we just go from person to person to person asking, what do you think I should do? What do you think I should do? What do you think I should do? Do you really think we want to know? No, what we're looking for someone to agree with our own bad decisions. We're wanting someone to reaffirm that what we're doing is right when we know it's not right to start with. And that's what was happening here. They knew they weren't doing the right thing. They knew they weren't supposed to leave and go to Egypt, but they were just looking for someone to reaffirm that to them. And they even said, hey, what if God says it, we'll do it. Well, really, let's pick it up in verse 9. He said to them, you sent me to the Lord, the God of Israel, with your request, and this is his reply. Stay here in this land. If you do... I will build you up and not tear you down. He's given them another chance. I will plant you and not uproot you, for I am sorry about all the punishment I have had to bring upon you. Do not fear the king of Babylon anymore, says the Lord, for I am with you and will save you and rescue you from his power. I will be merciful to you by making him kind, so he will let you stay here in your land. But if you refuse to obey the Lord your God... And if you say we will not stay here, instead we will go to Egypt where we will be free from war and, 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 and the call to arms and hunger, then hear the Lord's message to the remnant of Judah. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says. If you are determined to go to Egypt and live there, the very war and famine and, and you fear, it will catch up to you and you will die there. That is the fate awaiting every one of you who insist on going to live in Egypt. Yes, you will die from war and famine and disease. None of you will escape the disaster. I will bring you there. So what's interesting is um, God knew their heart. He knew what they were trying to do. He saw right through it. And so when Jeremiah came back to him and says, you're trying to escape all this stuff. You're trying to run away from your problems. You're, trying, you're just going farther down the wrong path. The path to Egypt is not the path to peace. The path to Egypt is actually going to get you exactly what you're trying to escape from now. And that's what sin does to us, right? We think we're escaping our problems and instead it's taking us right to our problems. We see that so many times. We, we, we think, okay, if I can just get out of this situation, if I can get out of this community, I can get out of this environment, I can get out of this job, then I'll start living right. And God says, what if I want to change you right where you are? What if I want to use you right where you're at? See, we need to be asking God, where do you want me to be? Where is the path you are leading me to? Instead of trying to find people to reaffirm, hey, just do whatever you want. Go with your heart. What is your heart telling you? And so this is so interesting, right? These men were trying to escape all the, 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 
the violence and the disease and famine and all that. And God says, if you go to Egypt, your, your problem's going to be there too. It's not going to solve your problem by running away. And so what did they do? Did they listen to God or did, did they follow their heart? Jeremiah 43. We'll pick it up. So Johanan and the other military leaders and all the people refused to obey the Lord's command to stay in Judah. So Johanan and the other leaders took with them all the people who had returned from the nearby countries to which they had fled. The people, in verse 7 says, the people refused to obey the voice of the Lord and went to Egypt going as far as the city of Tephaphanes. So they asked Jeremiah, pray to God, just tell us what he says. We're going to do whatever he says. But when Jeremiah told them what he said, they're going to say, I didn't really, that's not really the answer we're looking for, so we're going to do what we want to do. What do we see? We see the, 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 we see the power of the human heart to, to take us on a path that we don't need to, to go down. And so, you know, I, I love what Hudson Taylor said. He's famously quoted as saying, Christ is either Lord of all or he is not Lord at all. And so the, the question, right, is, is the Lord your God? Or when you pray, is it the Lord someone else? You know, are you pray, is he distant? Is he out there? Or he, is he your God? It, because if he is your God, if he is your Lord, he is your Savior, then that means when he calls you to do something, Lord means master. It means ruler. It means he's the one in authority that he can tell you what to do and when to do it. And if he is your Lord, by default, what you are saying is, I'm going to do it. Obviously, these people had turned their back on God so much, they didn't even know God anymore. They didn't even know. He was just another person out there that they could care less about. And so here's what I, if if he is your Lord, he has the right to, to tell you what to do with your life. To, to be a fully devoted follower of Christ, you've got to submit. You've got to surrender. You've got to allow Him to be your Lord. In Hebrews, we, we read this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this. How do we do this? By keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding the shame. And now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. We keep our eyes on Jesus. And and so I just want to just to the fathers, to, to everyone here today. It's so easy to get off the path that God has laid out for you. The race that He has prepared for you to run. And, and if you find yourself full of frustration, you find yourself uh, full of confusion and doubt and worry and anxiety, you're not on the path that God wants for you. So how do you get back on it? You keep your eyes on Jesus. You get rid of the sin that trips you up, that, that, that just continues to ensnare you. And, and that word picture there is like a, a trap for an animal that just, it, it has trapped you and, and pulled you off where you need to be. And if we can acknowledge 
hey, we're sinful, we need forgiveness. If we can acknowledge we need to repent, that our Heavenly Father can cleanse us from our sin and cleanse us from our unrighteousness. If we can acknowledge that, we can get back on the path that He has set for us. That's when our life can get turned around. And so I just want to ask you this morning, uh, if you go back in the Old Testament, I love, um, uh, I love what in, in the book of Joshua, is it, just a simple little statement here that I love. It's in Joshua 24, 15. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live now? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. And so I just want to challenge all of us today. Can we be the type of Christians that say, as for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. We're not going to serve the God of culture. We're not going to serve the God of popularity, of materialism, of greed. Uh, We're going to serve the Lord our God. And we're going to allow Him to direct our life based on the truth that we find in His Word. Uh, That's a challenge for all of us today. And uh, there's a lot we can learn from Jeremiah. We're going to continue next week and and kind of wrap things up in this this series. But I just want to challenge you. Is the Lord your God? Let's pray today. Heavenly Father, as we go through Your Word and as we study and learn together, You continue to challenge us. And my prayer today is that everyone listening online, in person, that they would be able to to really examine their hearts, examine their life, and and really ask the question, is Jesus the Lord of my life? And And if you cannot honestly say that He is the Lord of my life, then today, right here, right now, is your opportunity to make Him the Lord of your life. And it starts by confessing with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord. You just acknowledge, okay, you are the Lord. You acknowledge it. You acknowledge your sinfulness, your need for a Savior. You believe in your heart that God, you, that God sent Jesus to, to die for our sins. That He went to the cross to take the punishment that we deserve. And because of that, we can have new life, an abundant life a born-again life. And so if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if, if you would say, I really, He's just out there, distant, but He's not really my Lord, then would you just pray with me today? Would you make this commitment right here, right now, wherever you're at, would you just commit to say, Heavenly Father, today, right now, I want to commit my life to You. I confess I'm a sinner. I know I I need to turn from my sin and turn to you. Will you forgive me of my sin? I believe that you died for my sin. I acknowledge that you are the Lord. And I want to put my faith and my trust in you and in you alone. Lord, forgive me. Heal me. Cleanse me. Help me to to follow you. Uh, Lord, just, just empower me to do your will. And if that's your prayer... I want you to know Jesus heard it and he answered it. Heavenly Father, we just thank you this morning for your word. We're thankful for your love. And would you continue to help us to to be able to say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. No matter what happens around us, no matter the pressures of society, no matter uh, the temptations all around, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, that's what we're going to do. We're going to serve the Lord. 
Heavenly Father, we just thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray this morning. Amen.